Well, I got a text message yesterday, and Pastor Darren is worse than I am. <clears throat> and uh, so you can hear in my voice, I've been sick all week. Um, just started to feel better yesterday. My voice is slowly catching up with the rest of my body. I do feel okay. Um, but, uh, pastor Darren is, uh, not getting out of bed today. So, uh, keep him in your prayers. We need him back obviously. Uh, but I have, uh, the pleasure of filling in for him today. So this is going to be an interesting Sunday, um, as we close out the year because pastor Darren wrote the message, emailed it to me, and now I'm delivering <laughs> the message. So, not really sure how this is going to go. It went okay last hour, uh, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll grin and bear it. I would appreciate your grace and patience uh, this morning, especially um, as I may need to stop and get some water or whatever. But, um, but here's the thing. Um, we, we believe this with all our hearts here at Pikes Peak Christian Church. The reason we gather together isn't to hear from Pastor Darren. It's not to hear from me. It's definitely not to hear from me. The reason we gather together isn't to hear um, these guys that God has gifted so amazingly with their musical talents. That's not why we gather. We gather because when we come together, God chooses to speak to us in this place. And so many of us have had the encounter where we've come into this place and God has revealed himself to us and we've heard his voice and we've known what he wants us to do and we've been able to say yes and go forward. That's why we gather this morning. And so it doesn't matter that my voice sounds like this. It doesn't matter that Pastor Darren's not here. God is still here. God is still on the throne. He is still moving. He is still speaking. And he has a word for us today. Amen. All right. So let's pray. (laughs) Because we're going to need every ounce of Holy Spirit we can get this morning. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. God, I thank you that you are not dependent on my voice. God, I thank you that you are not dependent on Darren's ability to be here. God, you're not dependent on any of the talents you've given us. But Father, you speak and you move in ways that we can't understand. And you are faithful and you will never fail. And so God, this morning, we ask you, would you show up? Would you speak, God? Would you speak through me? Uh, And God, if you want me to stop talking and just let them hear from you, then that's fine. Whatever you want, God. We want to meet with you this morning. Meet us here, Lord. I pray for this time as we uh, look into your word that you would reveal uh, to our minds and to our hearts what you have to say to us. We love you so much. Thank you, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This was the wrong stool to get me. Just FYI, because... I'm going to be tempted to do this all morning. I'm really going to try hard. I'm going to put one foot down, okay, to try not to do that. All right. Um, Hey, good morning. Welcome. Uh, For those of you who this is your first time or maybe you're not familiar uh, with our staff here, as I said, our senior pastor, Pastor Darren, uh, he is the senior pastor here. He's not feeling well today. Uh, My title is Family Discipleship Pastor. My name is Sam, uh, and that's my job here. And um, what that means is that I get to oversee um, all the things that we do for kids and students. I learned a long time ago, and don't tell Darren, he's not here today, uh, but don't tell Darren, I learned a long time ago that I'm not actually good at doing work. My wife will attest to that. Um, and so um, I have the pleasure of not doing ministry for kids and students, but overseeing what we do for kids and students, uh, and also uh, what we do for adults in the realm of discipleship, helping the people um, to follow Jesus better, to know him better, to become more like him. That's, uh, that's what I get to do on a daily basis. There's, that encompasses men's ministry, women's ministry, life groups, Bible studies, um, and then, of course, everything we do for kids and students. It's a huge uh, uh, amount of ministry, and I'm so fortunate to have a great staff that does most of the work for me. 
Outside of that, uh, my wife and I have been married almost 14 years. Yep, I'm feeling sick today, but I got it right. All right, 14, almost 14 years. Uh, we have four children. Um, our oldest um, is here this morning. Her name is Grace. She's almost 12 years old. Um, and so we have the exciting um, opportunity to raise a preteen and to transition from childhood into the teenage years. And those of you who have walked that path, um, you know the challenges both for us and for Grace um, in that. <laughs> so uh, you could be praying for us about that. Um, we have three other children. Um, they are, um, I can't remember how old they are today. I'm not even going to try. Um, they're all in elementary school. <clears throat> so, um, hey, hey, just be glad I'm still talking. All right. Um, two of those uh, other three children are on the autism spectrum, and there's kind of some special requirements that come with them, but it makes them amazing. Absolutely. I don't know who, uh, who was yelling back there. I think it's probably Deb, but um, uh, so... But it makes them amazing. Uh, but there are some challenges with, that come with that. Now, now, here's why I tell you all that, okay? Uh, just a little glimpse of what our lives look like. <clears throat> My wife went back to work this year for the first time in 12 years outside the home. We are really feeling like God is calling us to move out of our home into a home that will be more suitable to, um, to do ministry out of, that we can invite families into, that we can host people, that we can really love people well from that home. We really feel like God wants us to move to be able to do that. On top of that, we have uh, these challenges with our kids' schooling and our kids' uh, disability, and, and we have um, just the challenges of raising kids in general and, and trying to stay married after 14 years. All of these things, and, and this job that is just this huge uh, mountain of a task, and I'm so blessed to get to do all of it. But here's what I want you to understand. There is no way that I could possibly navigate all of these things on my own. I'm just not smart enough. Some of you know me and you're nodding your head or laughing. But it's true. There's too much going on. There's too many things. There's too many pitfalls. There's too many ways I could mess it up that I cannot possibly navigate it on my own. And I think the same is probably true for you. Wherever you work, you have career decisions, you have job decisions, you have um, staffing decisions that you have to make. Are you hiring the right person? Is this the right person for this job? Is this the right fit for this thing that we're doing? You have things that are going on in your homes. I know many of you have looked to sell or buy a home in this season, and it's difficult to know what to do. And so I think that we're really not that different in that area. We need a guide. And if, if life wasn't complicated enough by itself... We have an enemy who desperately wants to trip us up, to draw us away from God, and to trap us any way that he can. The Bible says that he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he absolutely has. We cannot hope to navigate this life without a guide, without God's wisdom and guidance. In fact, daily I need God's help daily to know what I'm supposed to do, where I'm supposed to be going, what decisions I'm supposed to be making. But here's the challenge. How do we know what he's saying? How do we know what he wants? How do we know what he sounds like, what he has for us? How do we know these things? Well, this morning, I want to look at something that was written by a man who, who uh, it was said of him, he was a man after God's own heart who knew God, who followed God, who God blessed his endeavors, who, who this man really sought the Lord. And God was in, in it with him. <clears throat> the man I'm talking about is a man uh, that some of you will be familiar with. His name is David. He's the King David described in the Old Testament. Before he was King David, he was the David that killed the giant Goliath. 
And he was a David that brought um, a, a new era into the reign of Israel in the Old Testament. This guy was amazing, and God was clearly with him in his endeavors. And it was said about him, he is a man after God's own heart. And so if we hope to have the kind of relationship, the kind of speaking with God that David had, the kind of knowledge of intimacy of him, I think we can learn something from David, what David found to be important, the way that David understood his relationship with God all those years ago. And so we're going to look uh, this morning at a passage from the book of Psalms. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Uh, we're going to look at Psalms chapter 1. We're going to read the whole chapter. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we'll put it up on the screen for you. Um, you're welcome to follow along there on your uh, phone or tablet, iPad, whatever. <clears throat> um, and uh, and we're going we're gonna to take a look at what um, King David said here. But before we do, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, what the Psalms are. So the Psalms are, are a little bit different than some of the other books in uh, the Scriptures. Because the Psalms, they're not history books. They're not books that were written primarily for education or or to pass down laws like some of the other books were. The Psalms are unique in that this is is poetry. These are, are praises where God's people cried out and said, God, we love this so much about you. We're going to praise this attribute of you. We're going to praise this thing about you. We're going to call this out about you. And so that's what David is doing here. And I just want you to understand that before we jump into the text. I appreciate you guys coughing out there. It makes me feel like I'm not alone. All right, here we go. Psalm 1. Verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. This man is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So what's David describing here? There's, he's describing these two paths. In this poem, he's describing two ways of living. The way that is blessed which is the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And he's praising God for saying, God, I love that you have designed the world to work this way. I love that you've designed two paths. I praise you because you are faithful to the man who is righteous, the faithful to the one who pursues you. God, I'm praising you for it. He's pouring out his love for it because this is poetry. This is a psalm to God about what he's done, about who he is. And so this is what we see early on in this passage is that there's these two paths that David is describing to us. And he says, the one path, the path of the blessed man. That's the first path that he begins to describe. Now, that word blessed has gotten maybe skewed a little bit in our culture. Um, A few years ago, Pastor Darren did a sermon, and, and I, don't, I honestly don't remember most of it, but I remember this part where he was talking about how skewed this word is, and we talked about um, how everything is hashtag blessed, right? Like, like, this is how we use blessed in our context, right? So I'm going to go out and buy a new car, and I only have 500 more payments until it's mine, and hashtag blessed, right? That's not, that's not what blessed means, right? Hey, look at this sweet new jacket I got, or this new shirt I got, hashtag blessed, right? That's, that's, not, that's not it. Okay, we tend to use the word blessed as 
I'm happy, or I got something I wanted, or I got lucky, or I I had this thing happen to me that I really liked, right? That's how we use the word blessed, but that's not what it really means. The word blessed, what it really means is to have God's favor with you, to be favored by God. That's a big difference, right? Let that sink in for a minute. That the God of the universe, the one who's put all things together, the one in whom all things hold together, that's what the scripture says about him. That you are favored by him, that you have his favor. That's what it means to be blessed. Man, that sounds pretty good to me. I don't know about you guys, but, but that's the kind of thing I want, man, is to, is to have God have my back all the time, that God's, I've got God's favor. I mean, look at what it says about him, that whatever he does prospers, right? Now, now understand, David's not saying here that there's, um, he's not saying that if you follow these steps, then whatever you choose to do, God's going to be in it. What he's saying is the man that is blessed is the man that follows these things because the man that is blessed is the man that is surrendered to God. And so we're going to look here at what it looks like to be surrendered. The first thing he says is the, the, the man that's blessed um, doesn't do these things, right? If we look at the text again, he said, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, we could try and break this down a little bit, but it's pretty simple. The people around you, the things that you let into your life will influence you. All of our mothers knew this. And every mother who's ever been a mother has said at one point in time, either be careful about who you're hanging out with or I don't want you hanging out with that person because it's a negative influence because I don't like the influence that person has on you. For some of us, we were the person that other moms said, I don't want you hanging out with that person. Right? I mean, I trust that was a different season of your life, right? But, but we know this, right? We know this. And, and, and this, isn't, this isn't rocket science here. The people, the influences that you let into your life will come back out. It's the way we were made. Whatever comes in is what comes back out, right? And so what David is telling us here is to choose a better influence. There's an influence that you can choose to be around these scoffers. Now, to be around like the, the sinners, the, those are the wicked. That's what David says in his text here. But I, I, think, I think we need to break that down a little bit because I don't think any of us in this room are going to walk out of here and go, you know what? That person over there is pretty wicked. I think I'm going to go walk with them. Right? I mean, most of us aren't making that kind of a conscious decision. That's not how it comes up. It comes up more subtly than that. It comes up like this. Well, I probably shouldn't watch that TV show or that movie. There's some really not good stuff in there. But I'm not doing that stuff, so I'm probably okay. Now, I'm not telling you not to watch movies that have um, language in them or, um, or any of that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not prescribing to you what you should do, but here's what, here's what I know. If that becomes the norm for you, if that's what you're watching, that's what you're taking in, you're binging on Netflix every night on content that is not from God, that is worldly, that, that values the things of this world, guess what you're going to start to value? You can't help it because that's the influence that you're bringing into your life. And so what David says, the first thing we have to understand is we have to choose a better influence. So we have a choice. I think the other way that this comes out for us, oftentimes, social media. Who are you following? Who are you reading? Who are you paying attention to? 
It can come out on the news. What news station are you listening to? I mean, we kind of joke about this, but typically if you find someone that only listens to one news source, be it Fox or CNN, and you guys can argue about it later, but I mean, you're laughing because you know it's true. If you only listen to that one source, if that's your only influence, then it influences your thoughts and your opinions and your beliefs. That's the way that it works. And so we have to be careful about what we're allowing uh, to influence us. And what David says here is there's something that should be influencing us more than anything else. There's something that we should be clinging to, craving, that we should be taking in constantly that's going to influence more than anything else. Put the text back up there. What does he say it is? This man, the blessed man, his delight is what? In the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Remember, this is David, a man after God's own heart. He says that the focus, the influence you should be choosing to be blessed, to have God's favor is this. Your delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he, de- he meditates day and night. And so David says to saturate ourselves with God's word. That should be our primary influence, to be saturated with it, to meditate on, to soak it in. He, David clearly loved God's word. He clearly loved God's law. And this is really kind of amazing if you think about it, because David only had the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, in those five books, the first two are history books. They tell the story of the people of Israel, how they became to be, uh, how Abraham received the blessing from God and how they went into captivity uh, in Egypt and, and how they were released from that, how God set them free and how they became God's people. They're history books. We got any history buffs in here? Come on, we can be interactive. You're saving my voice by raising your hand. So people love history, right? Let me ask you this. Those of you that love history, do you meditate on it day and night? I mean, you might love history, but it's one thing to go, man, I love history. It's another thing to say, I meditate on it day and night. But this is what David says about history books. And that's not even the craziest part. The book of Leviticus, do you know what it is? It's a book of laws. We got any lawyers here? I won't tell. It's a book of laws. You might love the law, but to meditate on it day and night? How is... What in the world is going on here, right? And this is what David writes about. If we look in Psalm 119, this it's the longest psalm in the Bible. It's the longest chapter in the entire Bible. And the entire thing is praising God for his word. It's praising him for the law. Here's what he says. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. How is it possible that David is saying these things about a history book and some laws? I'll tell you how. Many years ago, I was a much younger man. And I joined the military. Yes, the Air Force is a branch of the military. It's the best branch, actually, if you must know. At least the smartest branch. Anyway. Uh, So, many years ago, I joined the Air Force. 
And I left my family and my friends at home. And I went to San Antonio to do basic training in my tech school. That's the equivalent of AIT for you Army guys. And so I did these schools uh, to prepare to go in. And I was in San Antonio for for several months doing these uh, trainings. And while I was there, I began to write letters to a certain individual. And I wrote to her almost every day. Every opportunity I could, I, I wrote to her. And she would write back. And we would write whenever we could to one another. And we received probably hundreds of letters over those five or six months. And we didn't always get a letter. I didn't get a letter every single night. And if I didn't get a new letter, I read an old letter. In fact, I read the old letters so many times that there was a time in my life I probably could have quoted them to you word for word. I brought this box this morning because it's full of letters. Full of letters that we've kept. Because the young woman that I was writing to is now my wife of almost 14 years. But here's what you don't, maybe don't realize. When I started writing to her and when she started writing to me, we weren't even dating. We had never dated. We were just friends. And we wrote. And we rarely talked on the phone, almost never talked on the phone over the course of those five months. But I went to basic training in March. And on July 4th of the same year, she came to visit me. I'm not making this up, okay? You're going to think that I'm lying. I'm making this story up. She will testify that this is true. Here's what happened. We hung out all day. We came back to the post at the end of the evening, and we were hanging out at a park on post. I'm just kind of waiting because I had to go back. I had to check back in that night, and I didn't want to deal with the traffic, so we were on base waiting for it to happen. And as we were doing this, uh, the base there at San Antonio has this um, every year at that time. Anyway, every year they would do a huge fireworks display. And so we were hanging out, and I did not plan this. I swear I did not plan this, but this is what happened. As the fireworks went off overhead, we had our first kiss. I know, right? <clears throat> Fireworks have been happening ever since. She's in this service, in case you can tell. Here's the thing. It was those words that we wrote to one another that caused us to fall in love with one another. It was the meditation on those words that caused us to become passionate for one another. It was, it, it was through the letters that we built our relationship and the way that that works. Any of you who've ever done this, who have ever been far away and you've written letters or you've, you've pined for someone who's far away, you know, and, and, and I know some of you have been through basic training, you've been through deployments and you've sat there and you've read those letters over and over and over again and, and you know why you do it. You don't do it because the words are so magical. You don't do it because the words are so poetic. You don't do it because of the words themselves. You do it because of who wrote the words. And you read them over and over and over because they give you insight to who that person is and you begin to discover them in new ways and in exciting ways and things that you didn't know about them and things that you did know, but they become clearer. And all of a sudden, by reading these letters over and over, I knew who this woman was in a greater way than I had ever known. And I knew I wanted her to be my wife in that moment. The reason that David is so in love with the scripture is not because they were books of laws, not because they were books of history, not because the words are so incredible, 
but because of the God who wrote the words. The Bible is God's love story. It's his love letter to you. And he describes how he put this world together for you, but how it got broken. And he describes how he tried to reconcile, how he brought his people through different promises and that they were unfaithful and that he was still faithful. And he describes how he will never leave them, never abandon them, that he always had a plan. And at the end of the day, he was willing to sacrifice everything to bring us into relationship with him. The reason David loved the law is because the law describes the God of the law. And David was in love with the God of the law. And when we saturate ourselves with his word, we fall in love with him as well. And it develops into fruit in our lives. Holy cow, is that the time? All right, I'm gonna wrap this up quickly. Here's what you need to know. It's not enough to just have a habit of reading. It's the meditation, it's the pondering, it's the wondering, it's the going in depth with the law. And when we do that, when we, when we engage God's word in that way, that's when we begin to bear fruit. It's like a tree planted by streams of water that bears its fruit, it never withers. It's fed constantly by that stream. If you've seen the, the trees along the stream down here, uh, along Fountain Creek, like you know that the creek is just lined with trees up and down and they're green. Right When the rest of the city is brown, those trees are green and fertile. Why? Because they're planted next to the stream. They have constant water. And this is for us the same thing. The scriptures are our constant water. They feed us from God. And, and you may be thinking, you know what? I want, my, I want my relationship with God to be more spontaneous, more romantic than that. I want it to be more natural than that. Guys, I will tell you, I've been married almost 14 years. The only way we get romance is if we plan it and schedule it. We have four kids that will not go away. I love you, Grace, so much. <laughs> I really, really do. But, but you know, right? Your lives get busy, and there's an enemy that wants to distract you. And so here's what I found. I found that when we regularly plan and schedule times to be together, times to have conversation, times to be romantic, times to be intimate, when we schedule those things, the spontaneous things happen more often. Because we put these anchors in the ground that said this is what our relationship is founded off. If we do nothing else, we're doing this. If we do nothing else, we're having this date night. If we do nothing else, we're doing this thing together. And when those things happen more often, our relationship grows and it develops. And it's pretty soon the spontaneous things happen more often. If you want a spontaneous relationship with God where he just speaks to you in the middle of the day, you do that by scheduling and planning time with God regularly so that you know what his voice sounds like, so that you're intimate with him, so that you have a deep relationship with him, so that when he speaks, you know what he sounds like. <clears throat> so how do you do that? You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a schedule. There's no way around having a plan and a schedule. Our lives are too busy. So here's the thing. We've got a plan for you. The schedule part, you're on your own for. But we have a plan for you. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Darren came up with this uh, idea um, and brought it to the exec team, and we are all in favor of it. Uh, we are going to, as a church, in the next 90 days, read the book of Luke together. When you came in today, you got a little handout. It should have the reading schedule on it uh, for the next 13 weeks. 13 weeks, 90 days, we're going to get through the entire book of Luke. Now, it may seem like we're going slow. It's on purpose. We don't want to read the whole Bible this year. 
We want to meditate on what God is saying to us. We want it to apply to our lives. We want to take action. We want it to grow and produce fruit. And so we're intentionally going slow so that God can move and speak to us. Here's how you do that. If you don't know how to do that, if you don't know how to dig into the word and let God speak to you through it, if it's just reading for you, here's how you do that. Really quickly, can you put all of them up there on the screen at the same time? There you go. Here, I'm not going to read them all because I got another sermon to preach. One more service to go. But here's the thing. The first one's really easy, right? You just write down what you're reading. The next one, ask questions about what you read. Who wrote it? Who do you write it to? Why do you write it? Those questions might be answered in some of your study Bibles. You might ask uh, your Bible study leader or some of the pastors here. You post it on Facebook. Google it. um, Whatever you want to do there uh, to check that out and see if you can get answers to that investigation. The next part is is really key. Okay? What is God saying to me personally? What does this mean for me? What what does God want me to hear out of this? That's the takeaway. What is the application personally? And the last part is just as critical. Now that I know what God is saying, what am I doing with it? It's one thing for me to hear, okay, God wants me to love my enemies, and there's this guy at work that I really am having a hard time with, and so I know God wants me to engage in that relationship. If I don't ever do it, I'm no better off than if I didn't read it, right? So what are you going to do? That's the expression. Now, here's the key to all this, okay? This, uh, Pastor Daniel described this as taking a bite out of Scripture. I want, you to, I want to challenge you to make it a bite sandwich, okay? Why a sandwich? Because you have to start and end with prayer. We start by inviting God in, saying, God, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your word. I want you to speak to me. I want to know what you have for me in this moment. And we end by saying, God, I need your strength. I need your spirit to exercise this in me. I need your ability to go forth and do what you've asked me to do. And so we bathe this in prayer on both sides of this. Now, this whole thing and the way that we've broken down this passages, this should only take you 15 or 20 minutes in the morning, right? I mean, you could take as long as you want. You could take 30 minutes, an hour really pondering over it, but you can do this in just a few minutes, Every day. And so I want to challenge you this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready to have the kind of blessed life that David talks about? Are you ready to have the kind of life that says, man, I know, I hear from God. He speaks to me. He leads me. I know what decision I need to make because God has revealed it to me. He's shown me what to do. Is that the kind of life that you want? Think about it. Or do you want to keep guessing and say, hey, man, I'm going to figure it out on my own? Because if you want to be a man after God's own heart, then what you have to do is commit to being in his word and hearing from him on a daily basis.